want to thank everyone for tuning in to an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. And thank you for continuing to share the show with your friends and, you know, co-workers, wherever you happen to know and enjoy podcasts. Um, while you're sharing it, if you could give us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Podbean, where our show originates from, anywhere that you can give us a five-star rating would be appreciated. It helps us climb up the metrics and be able to bring more content to you. And if you've always wondered, hey, what do they look like while recording the show? Well, for almost a year now, we have been streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash geek in the city you can interact with uh, fellow listeners you can interact with us you know what we just have a great time every week hanging out and being you know just the nerds that we are we all have a lot of fun we would love you to join us twitch.com forward slash geek in the city as always the podcast will always be free and let's get it started right now why hello and welcome to Geek in the City Radio, coming to you live from the Guardian Game Studios. I am Aron Duran. I am Vinarita. And I am Cable Hashitani. Look to the cookie. Now I remember what that's from. Never oh, mind. The camera's falling down. It's from the, the timeless film of John Cusack, America's Sweethearts. It's a... Yeah. yeah. Remember when he's in that fake kind of self-help thing? Yeah. That, used, that white people go to? Uh-huh. And the whole time his, you know, his yogi is telling him, it's like, you're not ready. You're not ready. You're not ready. And all of a sudden he's ready when the studio pays the self-help place millions of dollars. Sure. You know, <laughs> and he says, what else I do? And he goes, consider the cookie. <laughs> this is what my brain does, folks. Mm-hmm. It, this mm-hmm. is how it is, how it do. I must not have seen that movie because that, none of that rings a bell. It's funny. Um, it's one of those movies that is funnier if you've worked in film production. Mm, okay. Because, um, like, there's a part where uh, Seth Green, yeah, just uh, robot chicken and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's an assistant marketer to Billy Crystal's marketing team for the studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things you see is after they watch the first trailer, um, Billy Crystal looks at, looks at Seth Green and this is, I said, he says, did you cut this? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did. He's like, it's great. He's like, also, never, ever answer that way. If someone asks you, did you cut this trailer? The first thing you have to ask them is, did you like it? And if they say yes, of course you cut this trailer. But they don't like it, you blame it on somebody else. (laughs) Um, But the other thing he gives that is so painfully true, especially if you're in marketing and you're in film marketing, they talk about how when you're at the junket or whatever, everything is about the movie everything no matter what happens and billy christie goes to seth green and says i don't care if your dear grandmother passes away god forbid while you're on this junket the first thing you go downstairs is you go downstairs you get in front of the mic you say what happened and then you say it's a damn shame too she would have loved this movie (laughs) (laughs) um that is very true how that system works, by the way. I, I haven't seen this movie. It's, I need to see this movie. It's goofy and it's wacky. Julia Roberts, John Cusack, Billy Crystal, written by Billy Crystal, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Hank Azaria, Stanley Tucci, Christopher Walken, Alan Arkin, Seth Green, Larry King, and Rain Wilson. Jesus. That's, that's everybody, right? That, there's yes. no one left. Mm-hmm. No, there's really not. Um, Stanley Tucci has one of the greatest cinematic lines of all time in this movie. Because they hire Walken as like this very Walken is like this his mashup director of Stanley Kubrick, 
Spielberg and the Unabomber. I think there's even a reference that he bought the Unabomber's cabin to finish editing the film so he could get away from society. <laughs> and there's a part where like one of the producers is like, he's like, you had to just hire Hal Holdman. You had to make a Hal Holdman picture. That's what's it, Tucci. Mm-hmm. And the young producer's like, but the man is a genius. And Tucci's like, no, no. There's only been one genius in the entire history of show business. He's like, you know who it was? The senior Wences. The Sharpie on their mouth. Sarai, Sarai. He had a career for 40 years. <laughs> That's a deep cut in it's and a, of itself. Right? But if you get it, uh-huh. that line is gold. Sarai. 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 It's okay. It's okay. He's like, there's only been one genius in this industry. I love his hand and the Sharpie. Yep. Christopher Walken was Hal uh, Weidman. Hal Weidman. That's yep. it. Not Stanley Hal Stanley Tucci played Dave Kingman. I, 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 I'm I going to have to look up it where is, to watch this now. It is charming. It is legit charming. Uh, I'm, I am all, always a sucker for John Cusack movies. Um, this is also 2001. It's Billy Crystal. It's Catherine Zeta-Jones. Um, it's Julia Roberts. Like that, that mix in and of itself is like really good from that era. Yeah, yeah, yeah especially that era. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's two movies that they're in together. I right? not uh, who uh, John Cusack and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, I'll. I believe that. Uh, yeah, because they were in um, High Fidelity. Yes, together. Well, that is a running bit in this movie. It's called America's Sweethearts because they play a Hollywood power couple. Mm-hmm. It's like you fell in love with them with the eye doctor. It, it shows clips from all their other movies. Right. There's one that you fell in love with them for like love for the defense. He's like, I object. I object that I have fallen in love with my client. I mean, it's all these things. But the whole premise is when the movie starts, they've been broken up. They broke up very publicly and awkwardly. Mm. So this next movie is their first one. Because they bombed separately. So this is them coming back together, even though they still clearly can't fucking stand each other. Okay, that it, that rings a bell. It works. Yep. It works. I, I remember it coming out. I just never saw it in the theater. Not many people did. It didn't do that well. You know, that well, was also the era when Hollywood would spend $120 million on a comedy, which they just don't fucking do anymore. Let's, let's also, like, I did say it came out in 2001, it came out in July of 2001, so that was still months before yeah. America lost all of its innocence and sense of humor right. um, about anything. Boy, Gilbert Godfrey learned that the long way. Because he did what? A 9-11 joke like two weeks later? He did. For a charity event, right? Yep. I just flew in from New York. I don't remember what he said. It was the definition of too soon. Yes. But it's one of those things that years later, every comic were like, just the cojones on that guy. Yeah. Kind of wish. He's like, every, every comedian wished they had done it. Yeah, they did. Every comedian did. Yeah. It's like, but only Gilbert would have done it. Only Gilbert didn't give a shit. Yep. The only other one who would have come close was um, America's dad. Yeah. Um, Bob, God, Bob, Bob Saget. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's the only other one that would do it. Yep. He was too busy telling the longest, most egregious version of the aristocrat ever, <laughs> ever fucking told. Yep. Um, yeah, whether you, you found Gilbert Godfrey funny or not, and I went back and forth with that. Yep. He is to be respected within the, the comedy. He's hilarious, but also a little bit intolerable. Oh, yeah. 
He knows that. Yeah, and or he, he really leans into it. Yeah. And I think that's the that was part of it, right? Is like he's like, look, I'm fucking annoying as shit, but people look people look at me differently because of that, and I'm going to take advantage of that every fucking moment mm-hmm. that I can. He made all his money doing Aflac commercials. That's where the bulk of his money came That's from. That's right. And, oh, didn't and he lose that contract because of the 9-11 joke? He did. So they altered the Aflac Ducks voice to be similar to Gilbert Godfrey. Um, he what? also made a lot of money off Disney residuals for Iago. Oh, that's true. Um, I think... And I don't know if anyone remembers the uh, Clerks animated series... But he is the voice of Patrick Swayze in the Clerks animated series. What? It's the episode that where Patrick Swayze remember. opens a pet shop next to the Quick Stop. They're like Patrick Swayze. Yes, my movie's Patrick Swayze. <laughs> I don't remember that. I starred in Ghost and yeah. What's the dancing one? Dirty dancing. Dirty dancing. Oh my god. Uh, he was my favorite, uh, Mister Mix's, but like. Did he play him? Yeah, on the Superman animated series. Oh, I never remembered that. All I remember is really Pee Wee Herman as Batmite. That was on Batman: Brave and the Bold, right? Uh, But yeah, on the Superman animated series, uh, Mixes Pitlick was Gilbert Gottfried. That weirdly works because the first time he comes out and he says something, you knew it immediately because he's like, "Hey, McGuck," I'm like. Is Mick, did they cast they cast Godfried as is Pitlick? That's that's a choice, but it was him. It was great. He's hilarious. Yeah. Oh man, Ryan pointed out Senior Winces was 103 when he passed. Who that? Sarai, Sarai, the oh, guy okay. with the hand. Sarai, Sarai. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> South Park parried it with Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> Taco kisses. Oh god! This is why there's that video. <laughs> On Jimmy's birthday at the horse brass, it's just my hand and his hand. And I'm like, oh, Jimmy, happy birthday. What do you want? He's like, kisses. I'm like, oh, Jimmy. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they put a wig. Through. Cartman put a wig on his hand. And she, he was, Hannah for Lopez. Taco kisses. I mean, it probably should be offensive, but you know, if the bit works, it works. It Whatever. is and it's not. It is and it's not. I mean, that's the voice that Senior Wences did. Yeah. It's, yeah. Man, there was a time, some, man. Some that things he, are timeless. That, yeah. <laughs> but there was a time, like, he was... The way we, like, we see, like, Courage the Cowardly, or Courage the Insult Dog, or Triumph, mm-hmm. like, Triumph. that was Senior Wences, but, like, much more long-lived and culturally relevant. Mm-hmm. You know? God, now my brain's just going on random TV shit. Like, remember for, it was, again, Denise is probably too young for this, The Cable, do you remember the unknown comic? Yeah. The dude that just wore a bag over his head and yeah. just cut out an eye hole? And, yeah. Like that was a I thing. I don't think I ever saw any of his shtick, but I I know it was weird. Yeah, I remember him. That led into the. I think uh, Greg Barrett and I have talked about this ad nauseum, and maybe Christian too. Again, it's a period of the time, but those those dudes that used to wear the giant top hats on their shoulders, and they would be bare chested, <laughs> like their nipples were eyes, and their belly buttons were their mouth, and they go, and they would do bits. What? <laughs> I, I try not to remember that one. They did 
that's a very specific era of humor. They also use that in like uh, an Irish Spring commercial. I feel like Did they really something like that. It was some sort of body wash or soap or or. I just don't understand why it's funny. Like what makes it funny? Well, first off, there were only three channels, Bean. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> You know, and maybe for, for if anyone let you watch, uh, you know, public broadcast. Yeah, maybe you had PBS, mm-hmm. you know, um, and the average person couldn't really afford cable yet. Sure. So you just, yeah. So that's how you got when we finally, when cable was actually a thing. Right. Like that was, cable showed up when I was, started to become a preteen. Like my childhood was just. ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. And that, you know, that led into stuff like Battle of the Network Stars, which I know they tried to bring back in 2017. I still think you could do it properly. Battle of the Network Stars. That, in, that implies it was done properly in the first place. I, I it know. Was it, it the really, dumbest it, fucking thing. But I love taking like slightly unknown or slightly kind of forgotten B-list TV and movie actors and making them compete in Olympic sports against each other. Yeah. I I mean, I'm going to be honest. I, I'm sure that at some level, my brain was only interested in it for Barbie Benton. <laughs> oh. So... Barbie I, Benton. Yeah. Oh, when right. I was far too young to understand oh, that's right. why no, they, I was interested in Barbie Benton. Each <laughs> network had a team. Yeah, it did. So ABC, their cap, their, their captain was Gabe Kaplan, who was Cotter from Welcome Back, Carter. Welcome back. Linda Carter, Farrah Fawcett, Richard Hatch, Apollo, Ron Howard, Hal Linden, Penny Marshall. CBS, their captain was Teddy Telly Savalas. Who loves you, baby? Who loves you, baby? Gary Berghoff, TV's Radar. Lee Merriweather. Oh, yeah, CBS's lineup's not that strong. Uh, and then NBC had Robert Conrad. Man, ABC had the heavy hitters. Yep. Man. They had Wonder Woman. Oh, shit. They did. Oh, shit. The second season of Battle on the Network Stars, Gabe Kaplan, so the captain, LeVar Burton made an appearance because this would have been right. Roots. Roots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man. Well, there you go. It's another one of those, you know, classic geek in the city. Aaron and Kate yeah. will talk about old shit. Mm-hmm. How come but, we can't get new listeners? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because you're talking about Senior Wences and Battle of the Network It should have happened before a lot of people were born. Hey, yeah. but, Our but bringing, it a, yeah, bringing it around to LeVar Burton and Star Trek. That's true. We oh, do have nice. new Star Trek news today. Yes. Hey, mm-hmm. good job, Cable. Hey, thanks. So, I've yeah. Done this before. So for a while now, I think even since like what season two of Discovery, they have talked about a Section Thirty One show with Michelle Yeoh. Oh yeah, the, like oh yeah, definitely in season two. Well, yeah, yeah. Clam- people have been clamming for clamoring clam. for it since, been since for Discovery it. season one. Clam clam. Um, That's yeah, clam. and you Sorry. know, I think the biggest holdup forever is that Michelle Yeoh's career just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and busier and busier, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Good for her. Um, takes a lot of time to shoot even a 10 episode series. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. takes a lot of time out of your life. Especially so to, if you're first on the call sheet. Yeah. Yeah. First in last out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So today Paramount plus announced that not only have they greenlit, but they're basically in production for a section 31 TV or a section 31 movie on Paramount plus starring Michelle Yeoh. 
Um, that is their massive Star Trek announcement today. Production begins later this year. Later this year. So yeah. they're in, probably in pre-production then. Yep. Release yeah. date has yet to be announced. It's just the announcement. Uh, there's like an, an image on Twitter. A special mm-hmm. movie event. Yes. But this is no longer talk. Like she is clearly locked in. She has signed a contract. Right. No, the, it, it is it, in it the is schedule. Like, it is announced. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that we're getting a movie instead of a series. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Michelle Yeoh, which is, I think, kind of why we all wanted a Section 31 show to begin with. Because mm-hmm. um, me, personally, as a concept, I still don't like Section 31. I see. So the show was announced to start in 2018. It went into right. active development in 2019. Um mm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. and then something happened. Yes. Yeah, yeah. and then it, things happened. Mm-hmm. It it could be the thing that is at the banner at the top of the banner that says Academy Award winner Michelle Yeoh. Right. <laughs> also returns. Mm-hmm. Returns. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean that makes sense. And I and I, like I said, I personally think if they're going to do something with section 31, I like more an idea of like a one and done contained film that yeah. you know will have ramifications but i don't know if i'd want to watch 10 hour long episodes of right by default kind the, of really horrible people doing horrible things the bad guy yeah, i don't want yeah, to watch it, an entire it's, series it's like a whole it's like a whole division of you know goebbels um oh, whoa. <laughs> wow. sorry was that too much no that was a i mean i shouldn't expect you to just no. go I, no she did a lot of experiments. Deep Space Nine. Yeah, no. No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And Oh, man. That, I, that I, was... And I'm their sorry. Way to I did beat, just kind of blurt that out. That was sort of insensitive comment. Someone start behind the bastards today? No, no. That, no. It's oh. just like that is a better pill to swallow, It, but it swallowed it must be. Yeah. No, you're right because they tried to win the Dominion War by... Poisoning the founders. It's just that that, that that has never come back to bite them in the ass. You know, any consequences whatsoever? None yeah, at no, all. Nothing. Spoilers for Picard season three. Yes. Um, <laughs> and we'll talk about that next week when the show wraps up. Because we had talked about not only doing like a full season recap thing. But you're right. Um, like by by necessity, a series about Section 31 would, would get pretty dark yep. pretty quickly. And the way television happens nowadays, it, everyone, you know, you just got to keep jumping the shark and like a bigger shark and a bigger shark. Mm-hmm. And so like before long, uh, the, the show would just be like brutal. And, yeah. and people are already not happy about like the darker Star Trek themes, mostly Discovery. And, you know, like I know that some of that is just whiny baby bullshit. Yeah, because got, it's got gay people and a black woman's in charge. That, yeah. But... Like, oh. But they're not wrong that yeah. Discovery has been like has had some a lot of sorry I, I I've just there a future where a black woman is in charge and there are lots of gay people everywhere yeah what must Let, that be let's like? do that that's I love this this is great <laughs> can we have more of this please um sorry I, <laughs> I was gonna say something funny but then it would have whole it would have started a whole other rant and I yep. um um. How to know? Um, I, I realize too that not only do we have to talk about season three in its entirety of Picard next week, 
we have all of season three of Mando to talk about next week. Oh, jeez. Uh, like so, next we, week is all the stars. Yeah, it's all the stars next week, right? It, it's the battle of the streaming stars. Oh. Hey. Ah. Oh, somebody, somebody, get us some graphics for that. Okay. Not no, like listeners, we've got smart. Yeah, do it. Computers. But I want it to look like Battle of the Network Stars. Not it. <laughs> I I don't have time. You guys know I, what I'm, I've got going on. I. Same me as well. See what's become. You guys know too. And Campbell already called not it. So the three of us cannot do it. Our our beloved listeners uh, must come to the rescue with some Battle of the Network stars, Star Wars, Star Trek themed banners. Battle of the streaming network stars. So what this means is that someone has to get a picture of the Mandalorian in his armor, but with Gabe Kaplan's mustache. <laughs> um, I don't know what the Star Trek side looks like. Um, I, I don't know. Other Unless you put Telly um, Savalas' head on Patrick Stewart's body. I was going to put Patrick Stewart's head on Telly Savalas' body. That, that works too. That works. Let's do that. Yeah. I like that. Um, See, it practically yeah. designs itself, you guys. That's true. Oh, we had a young Rob Lowe. Okay, I got to go looking at pictures of <laughs> Battle of the Network Stars. Uh, but anyway, yeah. God damn, Farrah Fawcett's hair was a character unto itself. Wasn't a young it? Rob it Lowe was. or a young Chad Lowe? Rob Lowe. How old is Rob Lowe? He's pushing 60, I bet. Yeah. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah. He's old. Yeah, that's why his character in Parks and Rec is not that much. He's 59. Wow. The obsessed with being healthy. Now, granted, he went through a stage of his life when he was not healthy. Sure. Um, Is it just... He was probably also the first celebrity that we kind of forgave for making questionable choices with sexual partners. Mm-hmm. Um, because even she admitted, I think, like, I had a fake ID, totally fooled him, knew exactly what I was doing. Mm. Uh, she was not 18. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Anyway, but like he had, she was he literally had, he had done her. his due diligence, but she was selling a different yes, yes as I product. remember the story. Yes, he he still took heat for a long time, and he for did, it. he did, yeah, and, he's, um, he, and, and I think that's also what it. led him to like clean up, mm-hmm. go sober, like yeah, yeah, that all that all scans that'll do it, yeah, yep, so. Was it? Yeah. There anyway. you go. Norm says section 31 only works when it's the spice. You can't make it the whole meal. And yeah. That's and, how, you, and that's how it was for our, a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can't make them the good guy either. I mean, they are not the good guys in Deep Space Nine. No, they're they're like literally mad scientists. Yeah. That operate outside the law of Starfleet or mm-hmm, the Federation. Because mm-hmm. what you don't know, mm-hmm. you can't. And even they know that they're not legal and they're not correct because in deep space nine it's established they don't actually have a home base mm-hmm. they all meet in some weird psychic nexus that they're linked mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. so you can never destroy section 31 anyway we'll see how it goes i'm curious what era it's going to take place in because if i remember correctly part of her weird wonkiness with being mirror universe is she could only be a certain amount of time away like chronologically from when the mirror universe fell? Yes. The it was the a mirror universe ended up collapsing in on itself. Right. Um, sometime between the Deep Space Nine era and 
where discoveries the, the jump 30th the 30th century, right? Yeah. Mm. So there there's like a 700 year period where it collapsed and I think it's at the uh the closer end to us of that 700 year period, so it's closer yeah. to DS9. And it was the doctor um what's his name? David Cronenberg. Um, David Cronenberg. Yeah, Dr. David Cronenberg. Yep. Who was like, you're doing this because you are you are too far from the in, the temporal implosion yep. of your entire universe and it's trying to correct itself. Yep, it's just catching up to you. Yeah. That's also where they introduced, they acknowledged the Kelvin timeline. Yeah. In that mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because uh, they had an actor appear in a Kelvin uniform and they said like they're from some universe where... Romulus was destroyed and it created a whole new timeline when Ambassador Spock went back in time. Mm. You know, so, which was kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm jazzed for it. Um, if my gut anything, if I had to guess, it's going to exist somewhere post-Picard era. You know, if they are going to place it somewhere. I um, I don't know. I was hoping it was going to be closer to the um, Strange New Worlds era. <laughs> Maybe, so, yeah. So back again? Solely so that, like, the people that I would like to see her play with is mm. I would like a return of Lorel, the High Chancellor of Klingon. Ooh, yeah. That would be cool. Because she and, like, I will watch her and Mary Chifo all goddamn day long. Yeah, <laughs> And it would be nice to get What's-His-Name back, too. Um. The Klingon who was completely altered to be a human through surgery. Oh, Latif, yeah. Um, him. Yeah, I remember the actor's name, but not the character. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, yeah, you're right. I could see that. His name was like Alex or something. Yeah, it was something like that. And, they, uh, and he was Burnham's love interest. Yes. Uh, until for the, he wasn't. For in season two, basically. Well, yeah, the season he was yeah. in. Yeah. Right. Well, until he, was in until he wasn't. Yeah, he was also the love interest in season one. Yeah, but he's much more prevalent in season two. Yep. Oh, I didn't remember him being around for both seasons. Yeah, he kills uh, Culper. Remember they got in trouble for Bear Your Gaze, and then every single previously on Discovery, they kept showing him snapping his neck, and I'm like, okay, we get it. Culper's dead. Right. You don't have to show this every time. Um, But that did also lead to like one of Saru's best moments, I think, in season two. Mm-hmm. When Culper runs into him in, it's when it's when Saru I think is in command of the Discovery. He's there. It's Pike's something. You know, I don't remember what it was, but Doctor Culver and that guy, mm-hmm. they finally confront each other and they get into a fight, like in the mess hall. Mm-hmm. And someone says, "Like, should we break this out?" And Saru goes, mm, "No, let them." Let, nope. them, let them get it out of their system. <laughs> Stopping this fight will actually make them continue to pent up shit they have to get out of. Because the one Stopping guy was the not. Fight will make it worse. Because the other dude wasn't in his right mind. He was being manipulated by the Klingons fucking with his brain when they did surgery on him. Right. So. And yeah. Culber was also not being honest with himself about what he was feeling. Right. He was trying to be like nothing had changed. Mm-hmm. Ash Tyler. Ash Tyler. Thank you. God damn. That. Yeah, the actor's name is Shazad Latif. Mm-hmm. And Ash Tyler. Ash Tyler, yeah. I, that, that is... A super white name. Yeah, I, I, I which, can't which, get Which, which quite, he's not, by the way. No, not at all. I can't quite get over the fact that I'm like, 
Why did they saddle him with the whitest name they could find? Right when he's maybe that's not just the name that Klingons assumed would pass under the radar. <laughs> yeah, well, he, okay, technically fair. he's a Klingon undercover. They, that's a made-up name well, entirely. It's weird. He's not undercover because he actually he doesn't begin to remember his Klingon half until medically they begin to pull it out of him. He's a total sleeper. He's very much a sleeper agent. He has no idea. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. Trying to remember what his Klingon name is. Because remember, he's having nightmares about being sexually assaulted by Lorel. Mm-hmm. Except when, he wasn't. Except he wasn't, but that's how his brain is processing it. So. Right, yeah. Basically, the, the brainwashing didn't take and real memories yeah. are clashing that's where we with got, fake memories. That's where we got weird Klingon House nipples. of Mokai. Yeah. Cho- oh, Volk. Volk. Right. Uh, C-O-Q. Volk. Volk, son of none. Um, yeah, so anyway, that that's that. I think I will go back and rewatch some old episodes of Discovery in anticipation for the movie. I think so, for too. For Section 31, I think that'll be worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of the DS9 ones also. Yeah. They're good. They are. I, um, I think I'm due for rewatching Deep Space Nine anyway. I just did a couple months ago. Nice. Yeah. Um, oh, if I'd have known, I would have joined you on that. The other news. I'm always down of, for another one, you know, yeah. I mean. The other news out of Paramount Plus today is that they are also looking at making a Galaxy Galaxy Quest TV show. Yeah. It's in early development. Right. Which, you know, is essentially basically vaporware in terms of if you're to do software technology. Sure. But, I mean, look, I'm all down for it. Why not? I mean, why the hell not? Galaxy Quest was great. And it was kind of great Star Trek in a way. Mm-hmm. Um. I can't imagine you get the cast back. Maybe I as mean, guest appearances. So do you do it as the next generation kind of thing? I think you kind of have to. I don't yeah. want do the we, original cast back. Do we know what the premise is? Because no. what would be interesting is if the new Galaxy Quest is an inside look at the cast of the Galaxy Quest TV show when it was still on. So it's like a show about a show. Okay. Okay. I, I would accept that. And then that, you can just hire all new actors who are younger. To play younger. the young versions. Yeah. That, that's, I like that. And that way you don't have to deal with Tim Allen. You <laughs> don't have to worry about whether or not Sigourney Weaver is you know, willing to participate full she, time. She, she seems game for a couple appearances because she genuinely loves that movie. Yeah. I yeah. think she would be down for it. It's just much like it's Michelle Yeoh. She is busy. Well, all mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. For them. Eh, not all of them. Um, you know, but you know, what's his name? Guy, head of security. He's pretty busy. Uh, uh, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Um, is he, what is he doing these days? He's staying busy enough. I, don't know. Okay. I, I think all of these people are, if they're not actively on screen, they're producing. Yeah. Mm. You know, Tony, Sh- well, Tony Shalhoub, because he's on the fabulous Miss Maisel, right? Yep. Tony That's Shalhoub's in his last, last season coming up. But still, you know. Uh, yeah, that's in its final season, and you know, it's a, but, he's not a primary character in it. Yeah. He's not a huge role. You could do it. You could do entire things where, like, you know, Tony Shalhoub's care. He's older now, and he's like, you know, I was never comfortable being, you know, Chief Chen. Yep, Tech Sergeant I, Chen. Tech Sergeant Chen. He's like, I'm not, I'm not Asian, but I because he I intentionally would... squints awkwardly for that whole movie. Oh, it's all a choice. It's like a total choice I to do that. I didn't remember that. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. I like 
that is one of those that if you address that in a sequel, I I love it. Mm-hmm. Just so you can just go, yeah, that was not okay. I don't it know wasn't why. cool. <laughs> to be fair, I was stoned most of the time. Um, <laughs> so apparently that was all his idea. To always be stoned great. and or eating. Great. <laughs> so he have something it. to do. Yeah. It was um, great. So if they don't go the direction that, that uh, Denise has suggested, which I think is a valid way to go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you like you do the office only Galaxy Quest. Yeah. Um, if you do the next generation, then the person that you bring back is Justin Long. Right. Mm-hmm. But now he's a writer. He's not an actor. He's a writer. Yep. I mean, hell, if some of those kids are still acting, you can get some of his club back. Yep. But, uh, like, he's the character that you bring back and go, yeah, you are now our link, our longtime link with Galaxy Quest, um, and that you've been writing on the show, but you know things are real. And then something happens, and they need... And they need to do it again. Yeah. yeah. That could be fun. Yeah. And Justin Long would like. I feel like he would be up for that too. I think so. I've he's I've got watched good comedic his, timing too. I like Justin Long. He does. I've looked at a lot of the things that he's done in his career. He was down for weird shit. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> he's already. Noah's is confirmed. He's doing it. He's doing Tusk too. Yeah. <laughs> There's gonna be a Tusk too. Yeah, yeah, I told you this actually. So. You probably forgot. So yeah. Kevin Smith has announced it about a year or so ago. But if I remember correctly, what year did Tusk come out? 2014? Uh, hold on. I just had it here. 2014. Yeah, 2014. Oh, yeah, so, it was my first screener. Yeah, it was your first screener. That's right. Uh-huh. So I think he has talked about it's written. It won't be a long shoot. And he'll probably do the same thing. He'll shop it. He'll do the Tusk tour. Like it probably won't be the theaters traditionally. But he's talked about if they time it right, Tusk 2 will come out on the 10th anniversary of Tusk. Oh, wow. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. So that makeup on Tusk is super disturbing. I know. It's, it's so that's, that's, the part, that. that's the part that confuses me. Is like, okay, If you haven't seen it, no, I won't tell you how it ends. But you know how it ends. And I'm like, well, how do you, where does Justin Long go from there? I, well, I don't know. Oh, my God. And um, and Kevin Smith is such a weirdo sometimes. I just um, yeah. sometimes? I, I I don't even think that I can like begin to guess because and whatever I whatever I come up with might not be anything. He also apparently finally within the last few months he got whatever studio has been running like Clerks Three, like they've been helping him because he's been mm-hmm. producing well for him and making the money. I think they greenlit and gave him the money for Moose Jaws. Oh my god. And I think Finally. it might be like Jason Mew's co-directing debut he mentioned. Hmm. I thought he was already directing stuff. He was. But I will not debut, but like in the Askew universe. Mm. I just love the idea how open Smith was about the pitch for Tusk for Moose Jaws. He like goes to the studio and they're like, what movie is it? And he's like, well, it's like Jaws. But it's a moose. But it's a moose. It's a moose. That's it. That's that's the whole premise. <laughs> okay. Because that's part of his Great White North trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. Tusk, Tusk, yoga hosers, and then if he ever does moose, ch- yep. moose jaws. Uh, Jeremy Howard, uh, Caitlin Cullum, and Jonathan uh, Fire were the other three members of Justin Long's crew mm-hmm. in Galaxy Quest. 
Only Jeremy Howard is actively um, acting still. Caitlin Cullum is working as a production designer, but she is still in showbiz. Uh, Jonathan Fire has done three movies. Galaxy Quest was his last movie. Okay. I mean, so, but you never know. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love Guy in that movie. <laughs> you have a name, Guy. Do I? Do I? <laughs> Um, you know, what's funny about that movie is Sam Rockwell was the person that I didn't know anything about, and he was just mm-mm. hilarious. And it's like, who is this guy? And then he just kind of blew up. Is there air? You don't know. Yeah, he's so good in that. They're all good in that. <coughs> Sorry. So, yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of fun potential for a Galaxy Quest TV series. Yep. Especially if they don't just try to make a generic sci-fi show that kind of is a parody of Trek. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to recreate the concept behind Galaxy Quest. Otherwise, well, otherwise, just give me season four of the Orville. If you want something that's started as a parody but then became a beautiful homage to Trek, that's the Orville. I, I, I think both the Orville and Lower Decks were inspired by Galaxy Quest, but have oh, sure moved the bar. Oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. Significantly yeah. as to what you can do. Yeah. That'd be cool. Cool. Um, Do you want to take a break and then talk about Avatar? Yeah, pardon me. Yeah, let's take a break and we will come back with, uh, yeah, Avatar. So we will be uh, right back. Well, this is the perfect place to take a break and talk about our sponsors. First up, as we record live from Guardian Games, I want to talk about Guardian Games. Uh, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Um, if you check out their Facebook page right now, you will see that they are ramping up for D&D Kids Summer Camp. It's a really fantastic program, kind of something I wish had been around when I was in my in my much younger, you know, D&D playing eras. But that was also the satanic panic, so I don't think there'd be a lot of D&D camps for kids. Anyway, uh, it's run by, it's it, you know, Guardian Games hosted in the store. They bring in, like, you know, top-notch DMs that are not only good at you know, running RPGs and D&D, but are really good working with kids. And, you you know, you need both. Um, you know, sometimes kids can be a little intimidated by the game itself, but their imaginations uh, more than make up for that. And you'll, you'll get some pretty cool experiences, and your kids are going to come home and tell you some pretty wild stories. So I highly recommend, when while there's still room, sign up for the uh, D&D Summer Camp for Kids over at Guardian Games. Or, you know, find out more at facebook.com forward slash guardian games or just go in there and ask. And when you do, say, hey, I heard about this because of Geek in the City Radio. That uh, that means a lot and it goes a long way. Just like when you order cider from Revnat's Hard Cider and you maybe mention in the comments that, like, you know, thanks for supporting Geek in the City Radio. That also, you know, goes a long way to helping us out. And even better news now, Revnat's Tap Room is, is back in a brand new location on uh, Southeast Division and 35th Place. It's not that hard to find. You'll see it. And you know that classic, uh, that sandwich board that we all knew and loved from the old tap house? It's uh, it's back. And when they're open, it's right there on the corner of Southeast Division and 35th Place. Um, they are right behind the Cibo Italian restaurant, C-I-B-O. They are right behind that. And there's an amazing food pod connected to Revnats. Uh, of course, you can bring, you know, food into Revnats because they don't serve food themselves. The kind of restaurantish area does allow minors. Uh, the bar area is for 21 and only over. So, yeah, go in there, check them out, get some fresh cider on tap. 
There's no better way to do that. And for those that, you know, maybe aren't the biggest cider fans, but they're going with friends who are, Revnat now has, I believe, up to four uh, local beer taps from local breweries like Rosenstadt and Old Town. And he's really upped his uh, NA options, his non-alcoholic options. So it's no longer just, you know, I'll take a sparkly soda with lime. You know, he's got, you know, it's got kombucha, some really good NA beers. So yeah, the new Revnat's Tap House, check it out. And while you're there, also thank them for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio, which we're getting back to right now. Yeah, ah, welcome back. Oh, I know, it's such an abrupt turnoff. So abrupt. Abrupt. You know, we still can't sync up our light color in the studio. I look, well, I look sickly, actually. Your light is too white, and you should really sit over there. I guess that's true, probably, huh? There, There's that. I think your camera is different. Yeah, it's not the best camera. I mean, I mean, it is a good camera, but you guys have the same camera as each other. Yes. Mine is the one that's different. Yes. yes. Uh, you know what? I'll deal with it later. It's not saying that it has to be. I got other things going on right maybe, now. Yeah, then, maybe we don't figure it out live. Then, uh, yeah, and also that. Yes, that Fuck it, we'll true. do it live. Fuck yeah. it. So, Avatar. The Last Airbender. I don't know why I wanted to go, Avatar. I don't he know. He is the very last airbender. <laughs> I don't know why also I always default to the fucking gummy bears too. I was just about to say. I don't I don't think I know the gummy bears too. Gummy Maybe bears. Bouncing uh, here and there and everywhere. Their adventures are beyond thing. compare. They, they are, are the gummy bears. And they are named for what you think. Yeah, And yet I know. they were never a toy. Yeah, I, it was just an original uh, show. They yeah, might have been. They there beca- might have been a toy. Wait, no. Hey, Avatar. There. Yeah. Hey, Avatar. Hey. <laughs> this week, we if you watched... were the last Airbender, but you were made out of gummy bears. <laughs> would you eat yourself? Uh, and they it's were a simple question, Cable. German. <laughs> yeah, of course they were German. There's a gruffy gummy, tummy gummy. Don't jerk me around, Cable. Oh, Answer oh, the question. What? <laughs> if the last airbender was made of gummy bears, would you eat them? Well, yeah. <sighs> That's a good answer. <laughs> I was afraid I was going to have to bite you. <laughs> oh, uh, okay, right. Harry. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Cubs win. Cubs win. So the two episodes of the Avatar of the Last Airbender that we are on a for season three. show that is distinctly three, not gummy bears. It is not gummy bears. Um, are episodes three, The Painted Lady, and episode four, uh, Sokka's Master. Yes. Um, one of the two of these is so far one of my favorite episodes right. of the series. Of the whole series. Of the whole series. Um. All right. Well, then, in that case, maybe we'll breeze through the painted lady so we can spend I mean, more time talking about your favorite episode. Sure. I. I yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Um. I mean, this is kind of the no looking back episode now. Yeah. All, all of them are. They are in like they're in the Fire Nation. They have to get from point A to point B by a certain date to right. you know, make sure that their plan works. While the uh, the Fire Nation should be at its weakest, because the Firebenders shouldn't have any power. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so this episode, when Aang and his friends come across a fishing village being poisoned by a nearby factory, 
a local legend comes to life to help the townspeople. Um, and by comes to life, it means that, uh, um, what's her name? Yes. So, but I wanted to start by pointing yeah. out that, like, yes, season three is we don't have time for the big elaborate plans we had been discussing up until now. So us, the kids, this gang is going to, like, you know, intercept, uh, uh, not intercept, infiltrate the the fire nation and mm-hmm. get there and the 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 rest of the army is going to meet them there separately so they're all right. supposed to be there at the same time but they've decided to part ways every episode so far has been uh let's stop here for a day or more and and figure something out and just like just like do other stuff that is not traveling uh in a hurry like you keep saying you need <laughs> need to be doing right um yep. Sokka has a, a very detailed, we, we must get here by this date and then here by this date. And we're only, I, I think this episode, he makes the comment of like, what if, and hear me out, we combine <laughs> our meal time and restroom breaks for simultaneously. And, 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 and they correctly respond with gross. No. Yes. <laughs> but uh, th- that comes across as a very kid thing to do. <laughs> it's, it's a very Sokka thing to do yeah. because he's he's the logistics guy, he's the planner, mm-hmm. and and every day like he get they get further and further away from the plan, the schedule, and he's like, we gotta get back on. Tr-. I've been that guy. I am <laughs> frequently that guy where I'm like, mm, we made a plan, we gotta stick to the plan. I'm gonna freak out. So I, this is one of my favorite things about the Flash TV series mm-hmm. is it gave us um, uh, Captain Cold. Uh, by way of um, oh my god, uh, what's his Eccles- name? No, not Eccleston. Um, yeah, you know, you know what I, we do. Yeah, we create a plan. We yeah. stick to it's the like, plan. The plan fails, and we do a different plan. It's like every plan has four steps. Yeah, <laughs> you make the plan, execute the plan, wait for the plan to go off the rails, throw away the plan. Yeah, that's the line. That is every plan. Like, and Wentworth Miller. Wentworth Miller. Yes. Wentworth Miller is the best Captain Cold. He's, he is pretty damn great for sure. Ever, fucking ever. Like, I, I believe that the movies have not bothered to try to make a Captain Cold because why bother Wentworth Miller has already done it and yep. was perfect. I could see that for sure. I, I, mean, I, I, don't, feel... I, mean, I don't know what makes a good Captain Cold or like, like is he accurate enough or whatever, but Wentworth is no. fantastic. I don't care what kinda, I don't care what Captain Cold is supposed to be like. He's kind of goofy I'm in the comics, honestly. Wentworth Miller's Wentworth Miller's Captain Cold did for Captain Cold what Danny DeVito did for the Penguin. Oof. No, you're right. Hi. <laughs> Go sit back at your table, kid. Yeah, lots of children going free range today. Yeah, those weren't free range children. Those were children that were supposed to be sitting at a table. I went and yelled at them. It's what happens when your gaming table has nine kids. Yes, that's why we... Anyway. Yeah, that's... Inside baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of kids. Mm. Anyway. Sokka, Sokka needs to embrace the plan. Plan making a la Captain Cold... You make the plan, you execute the plan, you wait for the plan to go off the rails, not if, when, when. and then you throw away the plan. Yep. 
And that that that's what the team avatar needs to do. That's what Team the, Ang is having to do right now. Ang is pretty good at throwing away the plant. Yes. <laughs> um, both Sokka and Toph, or Katara and Toph, are better at adapting once the plan has been gone off the rails. Yes. So. Right. Yeah. But. So, anyway, this anyway, episode. Any, yeah, this episode, the, it, um, it's more about um, showing the difference between we have to do the thing because that's how we save everyone. We can't save everyone along the way. Mm-hmm. And the argument of like, then what is the point? Right. If you are not willing to save everyone along the way, what is the point of trying to do the big thing that saves everyone? Mm-hmm. Right. Like both of those types of compassion are necessary. Right. Um, I, I think that this episode really sort of, you know, the first two seasons we're getting to know the characters and they're sort of getting to know themselves mm-hmm. and sort of like realizing who they are in the world. And now in this season, we're getting a lot of opportunities for the kids to just like really continue to flesh out who they've decided they are in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, for Katara, that's, you know, being a bleeding heart who is never going to not stop and help, regardless of whatever else is going on. And Sokka is, you know, he's he's very singularly focused when there is something to be focused on, but he will always have his sister's back. And you know, like maybe he resisted at first, but it is to the, you know, but he will... He will give in to you know what what Katara needs or says needs to be done, mm-hmm. even if it is to the detriment of his plan. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, in that regard, Aang and Toph are both just kind of mostly along for whatever everyone else wants <laughs> to do. Pretty much. Uh, because Aang catches. Okay, so yeah. I, I guess I shouldn't get too far ahead of, of us. Um, Katara. They spend the night and Katara sneaks out and does stuff to help the villagers. I think she provides food the first night. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, yes. every, everyone in the village is super stoked and like looking happy. And they all believe or accredit the the good fortune to the painted lady, a mm-hmm. spirit that, that is known about those parts. Right. And I think I think Katara gets a little bit of a, a taste for you know that positive. Um, feedback? Yeah, it's what Aang gets all the goddamn time. I believe earlier in the episode... <laughs> oh, no, I'm thinking about next episode. Never mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, um, yeah. so she, you know, she... she I think she kind of gets into it mm-hmm. and, and like, how excited everyone is for this mis- mystery person who helped. And then she, she gets a little... She goes a little far with, with it by now actually disguising herself as the painted lady. And again... Each night she's doing more and more to help the village, but it's definitely one of those teach a man to fish sort of situations. <laughs> right. Right. And that's, you know, her and Sokka even get into it with each other. Like, oh yeah, hope that whoever's helping them in the middle of the night, every night keeps doing it because otherwise they're just going to be back in the same boat. And he's also not wrong. Oh yeah. He's absolutely right. Um, because the prop, like, fixing the symptoms is not the way to cure the disease. Exactly. And the disease in this case is a a factory upstream that is polluting the water, which is why everything is 
bad right now. Right. And so with that argument, uh, Katara is like, oh, okay, now I see what I have to do. It's not that my plan is bad. I just need to escalate the plan. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And Aang catches her at this. um, And for a moment, you think he's mad. Like, you've been lying to us about this this whole time? And she's like, yeah, I'm sorry, you know. Uh, and she's like, he says, no, I think that's great. Let's go, let's go do the thing. <laughs> let's go do you the know? thing. He's he's along for the ride. He he he's not even going to spend any time being upset about the lie. No, because he goes, get, he gets to go destroy things. Yes, which is kind of what he wants to do, right? Yeah, now. like Ang is chaotic good, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yes. 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 yes, yes, yes. He's not lawful, and he's absolutely good. It's he's chaotic. He's chaotic. Yeah, good. he's chaotic. I'll yep. give him that. For sure. I, I think older Aang probably becomes, like, has to hit that level of true neutral. Right. But right, right now he's 11, and all 11-year-olds are chaotic. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Seth's checking the hallway again. <laughs> yes. Um, <clears throat> yes, they are. Uh, so this is all going pretty much great in Katara's mind, uh, except for now it's been three nights that they've spent at this one village, mm-hmm. even though they're supposed to be on a schedule. Right, because they they've had to stay here because um, Appa was sick. Yeah, Appa was sick. Sick. Except Appa's not sick. <laughs> Part of her ruse to keep yep. them there longer. Um, and so after they've destroyed the the factory where the army gets its metal that pollutes the river and the village. Um, Sokka catches them and he is super pissed because again, he has a schedule and also he like, he's like, we can't stop to help every, every little village around and Mm -hmm. along the way, like you Mm -hmm. were saying. Um, And they argue, but then they decide actually, no, it's decided for them. Almost forgot. Uh, The army shows up to start attacking the village. Sort of like she, like Katara does get the opportunity to say no. Like I am making the decision that I am going to help everyone along the way. She right. specifically says, "I will never turn my back on people who need help." Yep. Um, and then, and then the army attacks. It's like, well, okay, Katara's right. Yes, yeah. The soldiers show up, and they're like, "Okay, now, now we have to do the thing." Mm-hmm. And the the group puts together a really elaborate performance to basically create a more believable painted lady. Uh, I love every little element of this. So they've got Appa on moans, mm-hmm. and I think they're like doing it out of a cave so that it like really echoes out into the mm-hmm. into the area. Uh, Toph is like lifting and dropping a boulder. For yeah. a nice big booming mm-hmm. sound. Yeah, essentially doing like the, the biggest taiko drum ever. <laughs> uh, Sokka oh. is playing some sort of a, a flute type instrument mm-hmm. for some extra eerie tunes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Aang and Katara use air and water bending for some good ethereal effects. Uh, and then they also co attack these soldiers until they've either run off or are defeated mm-hmm. and the and the village is saved huzzah, huzzah. <laughs> except for in the fighting katara's disguise gets ruined and they say they see that she's not only not really the painted lady spirit uh she's that girl they you know who's been coming around mm-hmm. 
Um, and not only that, I think they recognize her as a waterbender. Oh, yeah. So yeah. now no, not that... only is she impersonating one of their beloved spirits, but she's not even she doesn't even go here. Yeah, she's she not even one double, of them. Yeah, she's, she's not, not part of, of the Fire Nation. And even though the Fire Nation factory was polluting the the river for this Fire Nation fishing village, they're all still Fire Nation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're uh, still the enemy. But she delivers an effective apology. And more importantly, they, they convey uh, the fact that, like, look, y'all needed help. And by the way you guys really should have been able to do any of this for yourselves. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like the only, the only people who are typically going to help you is you, you're a community. Um, and so now together they all clean up the river and depollute the area. And, and now they really can uh, prosper again. Yep. Uh, I, I think uh, the, the thing that is the most unbelievable about this episode is mm-hmm. this happened in three fucking days <laughs> <laughs> yep like you do not like you you can't clean a river in three it, like well, well no. in an hold, on, hold on it was yeah the the cleaning up the river was the fourth day this is the day they arrive uh the day after she fed them the day after she gets medicine and then the day that they fight off the soldiers and clean up the river that's a lot. Yeah. But, but I mean, what I mean is like they only actually do use like half a day for cleaning right. up. And the there room, is and that's... kind of like magic involved too. I suppose. That always sure. helps. You know, yeah. So. Magic. Magic. Bending. Yeah, I said magic. It's magic. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Mutant ability. <laughs> magic. And then uh, the cherry on top of this episode is that at the end of that last night... Katara is visited and thanked by the actual painted lady. The spirit of the lake. Yep. <laughs> um, Just kind of gives her a wink and a smile. <laughs> Big old thumbs up from Buddy Christ. <laughs> I was going, what's his name from fucking uh, uh, Love Boat? Oh, yeah. That's right. Little double finger guns. You, were, you are really set back in the... Which is funny is I don't Late watch 70s, any of these shows, 80s. but I like the references. Hmm. I know you do. I might do better about finding publishing work if I can you know, get into like the 90s maybe. This is true. As my references. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So Kayla's going to go yell yeah, at more children. Is. Oh, boy. I'm, I wish I could be there for that. You um, should hand me one of those cookies while you're talking. Yeah. I can chew quietly. You'd better. Um what are you doing? It's safe. Uh, Carry on. My cookies. Um, Was the children properly punished and admonished and, said, and beaten? I don't beat children. There's your problem. What is, no. We're not allowed to do that anymore. Ah, like as a whole. Fucking woke. Right. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, no, I'm not beating children. I give them the I'm disappointed in you face. Which is far worse. Yes. Mm. Yes. Psychological beat. Yes. Beatings. Uh, anyway, chapter four. It's called the Mexican way. Sokka's master. Uh, the kids are in a new town. It is nighttime. And they... Oh, no, wait. Where's your, uh, where's your synopsis? You always do the synopsis. It's right here. 
After deciding he's the least valuable member of the team, Sokka seeks out an apprenticeship with a sword master. The rest of the gang tries to adjust being without him. The imprisoned Iroh may not be as beaten as he seems. So two things are going on in this episode. that, And both of them are what make this... One of my favorite episodes. I can I can see that for sure. Um, one of them is this story uh, that focuses on Sokka and um, learning from a master, which is what like he has that moment where he he talks to the rest of them because the the three benders save the day again, and Sokka is plays cleanup standing duty. by the yeah. on again, the sidelines. Yeah. It's like yeah, watch Momo. It's like I'm I'm gonna bring up this tidal wave. I'm gonna blow this wind over here. I'm going to create this chasm. Watch Momo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's he's feeling he's having some feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think he said something along the lines of, um, and I only caught this in the rewatch. So I didn't. I, or anyway, uh, like every you guys are all so special. Right. And I'm so very not. Mm-hmm. Like he just doesn't feel like he even compares to the rest of his team. Sure. If, yeah. if you are the one person on a superhero team that has no superpowers, this is how you're going to feel mm-hmm. unless you're Batman. Yep. And Sokka is not yet Batman. Right. No. Um, and then they, they decide to help make him feel better by going on a shopping trip. Sure. Retail therapy always I, helps. Sure. Sure. Damn right it does. But that then leads into. Um, uh, he's looking at weapons and he's drawn to a particular sword mm-hmm. uh, and it is brought to his attention that it is made by Pian Dao, who just happens to be this greatest sword, sword master <laughs> uh, and maker in fucking Fire Nation history. Oh, also, he just lives right over there in that castle. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then, and so uh, I think it was Aang who has the idea, like, oh, that's what you need. You need a master. I've had one. Katara's had one. Right. Toph sort of has also had one. You know, a mentor to teach you more about the thing that you're already mm-hmm. kind of good at, but like really help you hone your skills and potentially become a master yourself. Right. It's a, it's a to give you a, a deeper sense of purpose, I guess, is really how they're sort of conveying it. Um, and so he decides to just go knocking on this guy's door. Mm-hmm. Which is what you do. And what I appreciated about this is this gave the the writers and the creators of the show an opportunity to showcase that Sokka has learned things along the journey. So we don't get the, I'm the funny, goofy sidekick Sokka. We get the Sokka that, like, I've, like, when when the master comes out and says... So why are you deserving of my time and attention? Right. Why are you? Why do you deserve to be taught swordmanship? She's like, I don't have an answer for that because I don't know that I am worthy. Yeah, you can tell that uh, Pyong Dao is—he's over it. He—he uh, he challenges Sokka by saying, "Like, let me guess—you've come hundreds of miles from your little village because you were the best swordsman there, and mm-hmm. now you think you deserve to learn from the master." Yep, and and Sokka is just like really having uh, a self esteem crisis right now, and he's like, I don't know that I am, but also 
I think he also says, like, I've been all over the world, but it's not a brag. He's just like, you know, I mean, like, well, not, not what you said is not exactly right. This is right. this is what's got what's yep. up. Um, and and for that reason, because Sokka's like, I don't actually know if I'm worthy or not. That incur that that influences Piandao to actually agree to train him. Mm-hmm. Because that that's the indication that. Oh, you you actually are ready because you you have learned enough to know that those things don't make you deserving. Those things mm-hmm. don't mean that you are entitled to them. It means that you have learned enough to know that you know nothing. Yeah, I was kind of. I think I mentioned this before that Sokka always felt like to like use another show. He's always felt like the Xander of this group. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he 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 does the jokes and the comments and stuff, but he doesn't have any he doesn't do anything in terms of abilities of everybody else and yeah he starts to feel more and more left out and in a way he's worried he's going to become a hindrance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which um, he does not want to do which he doesn't want to do and this no it's good because this finally doesn't give him a purpose in the show i think the viewers know the purpose mm-hmm. it gives the character a purpose mm-hmm. that now he understands mm-hmm. what he can do and also, in a way, the gang kind of took him for granted for a long time. Oh, yeah. which Sokka was just always going to be there and do shit for us. Which they showcase by going, so what do we do now? I don't know. I don't Sokka know. Sokka makes that's, a schedule. That's, yeah. that's, very, that's a very good observation. I hadn't really thought about it that way. I did, and I did think it was really funny that like the minute he's not around, they, they miss everything that they're normally groaning about. It, it's also because the three of, those three characters are reactive. Sokka is a proactive character. Aang, Katara, and Toph are at their best when they are reacting to a crisis. Mm. Sokka puts together plans before there's one. You're absolutely right. With, with, yeah, like, again, this is why this is one of my favorites, is because of how much they they have taken the character that we've seen, they've shown the growth that the character has gone through, and acknowledged that growth, and then given him um, this lovely moment of let's expand further on you. Um, they go through all of the, the usual tropes that we have seen with any sword master training an apprentice. Um, w- weird thing, like the things about learning calligraphy, the l- learning painting l- and what arts and culture mean to mm-hmm. a sword master mm-hmm. as well as, um, any type of politics or understanding terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sokka still takes his very Sokka approach to them. Uh, yeah. It, it, if you don't know Sokka, they seem like reactions that are silly and maybe even lazy. Mm-hmm. It, but but he really does, and he doesn't appear to be taking it seriously. Right. But, you know, like 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 the guy tells him, you know, like, your imagination is limitless. So, you know, do with that what you will. And he does every single response reaction that he does for each different task or test Mm -hmm. is completely out of the box and, you know, requires imagination. Even if it seems like he's just like, you know, looking to kick back and take a nap. Um, 
my my absolute favorite is when uh, he has to paint the view of the waterfall that mm -hmm. he only gets to look at like he, he gets a quick glance and then he has to draw it from memory and when he shows it to his new master um a it looks like a toddler's drawing yes um <laughs> but but he added a rainbow mm -hmm. and 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 Piandao says he's like you added a rainbow and Sokka, in just like the most precious little child voice, he's like, "Is is that okay?" And I, I just, I loved it so much. <laughs> I don't know why, but like, yeah, I don't think like, it's. I don't think he did it to be silly. I think nope. he's just like, this is what ma makes me happy. I'm drawing this beautiful scene, and the thing that would make it even more pleasant in my mind is this fantastic rainbow philosophically from an artistic standpoint he still drew what he saw just because everyone else didn't hmm. see the rainbow doesn't mean that he didn't there's a, like if you look at it from the standpoint of you look at the work of uh, vincent van gogh mm. And how he painted the world as he saw it. Right. And everyone said, oh, this is surrealist. Or, yes. Gotcha. Right. Gotcha. Um, it's like, no, he he, paint, he painted what he what saw. He saw. Mm -hmm. I see. That's very good. Uh-huh. That's very good. Yep. Um, yeah. All of those little moments are goofy, but they are also very philosophical, mm -hmm. which is the only way to ever discuss philosophy in popular media. <laughs> you, you must do it from a goofy standpoint because it's fucking silly. Mm. And yet it's very profound. And, and more importantly, he's not, he's not trying to be silly or not take mm -mm. it seriously. And yet at the end of the, this training montage day, you know, he's like, wait, what do you mean I did good? I failed every every task that you gave me. He he wasn't not trying. Mm -hmm. That's just he was just being Sokka in how he responded to all of these challenges and yet still looks back at what he did as failure. Sure. It's like, oh, oh, I didn't do it the way that other people do it. Yes, because, yeah, that's what it is. Like, I didn't do what you expected me to do. So that means I failed. Yep. Uh, and Piandao, every time he does that, he's like, okay, this kid actually gets it. Right. It's like, this kid can be taught because he's not thinking. He's not doing what is expected of him. He's doing what he feels. Mm -hmm. What's for him. Yeah. Um which is the basis for any becoming a master of any particular thing. Yeah, he outlines creativity, versatility, mm -hmm. and intelligence as like the definite like the the traits of a great swordsman. Yep. And so it doesn't even matter that like in the actual fighting uh, tasks he didn't always do very well. Nope. I think a couple of times he just actively runs away from his opponents. Yep. Um, which I think almost anyone would objectively look at that as like um. That's that's a fail. If we're if we're talking pass fail, but right. on a field of battle, if you know that if you fight you're going to lose, but if you run away you're going to live. How is that a failure? That's true. It, yeah, it's this episode was weirdly deep. 
Yeah. For being fun is, and silly. Which is funny because I read other reviews of it and a lot of critics consider this a throwaway episode. They're Most dumb. critics don't know what they're talking yeah, they about. They are incredibly dumb. Um, <laughs> it's like how most people disregard the episode in Next Gen where Beverly, she finds out she's in a pocket universe and everyone keeps disappearing and basically ghosting her. She's like, you know, my son, Wesley. I'm like, what are you talking about? You've never had a son named Wesley. Yep. And she has that line of like, if everything I know is said is true, that means the universe must be wrong. And people tend to consider that a, yeah, it's fun, but it's kind of a throwaway episode. It has become a very um, profound episode as far as explaining what does gaslighting look like? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, back to that. Yeah, that's fine. Um, to harken back to the beginning of the episode, the reason that the the three benders were doing Take bendy things reacting. is that a meteor fell from the sky and caused a fire and they put it out. Mm-hmm. So when Sokka is presented with the opportunity to make his own sword. Um, with a special material. He's like. Of his choosing. He's like, can I, can I make it from space rock? <laughs> it's like, sure. I don't know where you think you're going to get space rock. So he goes and digs up the meteor and brings it back. And, with all his friends. Yep. And then they forge a sword out of the, the meteor rock, um, which is great. It's a lovely looking sword. Um, and this is where um, Sokka truly proves who he has become. Hmm. And it's like, here, this is, the, I've made the sword. The sword is for you. It is worthy. You are worthy of this sword. And Sokka's like, I am not worthy. I've been lying to you the entire time. I'm, my name is Sokka. I'm from the water tribe. We are your enemies. <laughs> I don't deserve anything that you've given me. And they launch into this amazing fight. Yes. Um, and at every turn, it feels like Sokka's like, oh my God, I'm about to be killed. And instead of being angry, the master keeps saying things to him that are just, it's like, yes, that's exactly what you should have done. Yes, this is perfect adaptation. Yes, this is using your surroundings. Oh, way to take the high ground. Yeah, against your opponent. You learned from Obi-Wan. Even my my head when I watched it, I was like, well done. You've chosen the high ground. Yeah. Um, So that when, like, he doesn't win the fight. But he, he not. and for a moment he once again thinks he's gonna die. Yeah, but instead he's like, "That was perfect. This is like you have the makings of everything that needs to be a master swordsman." Mm-hmm. It's like you just have to keep practicing every day mm-hmm. and and keep being true to yourself. And they're all like, "Wait, why aren't you gonna tell us?" It's like, "Well, I'm not limited to what nation we are from." Like, this is very narrow thinking. I wrote it down because it was really good. He yeah. says, the way of the swords doesn't belong to any one nation. Knowledge of the arts belongs to us all. Mm-hmm. And so it's, yeah, again, not just about swordsmanship, but really anything, you know, does not belong to any one people. And yep. that's, and that is so, um, what's the word? Um, opposite. And anathema to what the Fire Nation stands for. Mm-hmm. They absolutely want to be in control and and only certain people are allowed certain things. But we're given a glimpse of a couple things at this point of why 
uh, Piandao has this reaction, and that is in the um, the game tile that he gives them as a uh, as a token, mm-hmm. and then that same symbol on the that that's on the game tile is also on the door. And it's the uh, the White Lotus, I yes. believe, mm-hmm. which we have been we've seen before that that's an organization that uh, Uncle Iroh has been part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are clearly an organ. They're not an organization. They are society, a society within each nation that is working together to go. We need to knock this shit off. Mm-hmm. Yes. The 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 White Lotus uh, does appear to sort of. Uh, transcend nations yes um and that tells you more about what road Sokka is now traveling down um i i for a character that is what came in at the beginning to just be comic relief Mm -hmm. this was a very inspiring direction to take the character and to and says a lot about how they respect <clears throat> what they have created for the character. So I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Speaking of Uncle Iroh. Yes, the, the B-plot. The B-plot to this. <laughs> I fucking love this B-plot. Holy shit. Like, I have never felt like... Like, I, I need Uncle Iroh's motivation because he <laughs> is in the cell acting for anyone who watches like he is devolved into a wild animal or a drooling idiot and yet he's actually working out every single moment swole uncle iroh yeah they even managed to draw it so that he looks dead-eyed when the guards are around and then when they leave his eyes go back to like a normal alert you know, human who who has not lost a single faculty. Yeah, in animation, in illustration, that's easy to do. All you do is um, add and remove the white, mm-hmm. the the little sh- dot of white in the the color of your eye. That is what it is. Yeah, yep. that's all yep. you do. Um, but just just like the, the, the down to the the smallest detail to really like sell mm-hmm. his performance. Yeah, it's great. Um, By the way, their entire page is dedicated to swole Uncle Iroh. <laughs> even though, like, Uncle, who knew Uncle Iroh was going to be a thirst trap? There's, and there's even ones that are like, my Uncle Iroh give you the gains. <laughs> do not forget to have jasmine tea after lifting. You know? Oh, man. I hate it, but I love it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he is training constantly. Um, and, you know, just keeping it. Absolutely under wraps. Um, he is, but you don't even see him take his shirt off until uh, the last into the last uh, act of the episode. Yeah, where he's doing um, one arm pull ups. Uh-huh. One arm for his food, one arm for pull ups, no shirt. He is fucking ripped. Yep. Oh my God. Someone drew him again with prison tats. <laughs> prison tats are airbender symbols, and it just says Iro across his chest. Oh my God. In like a gothic font. Uh, and I just found a YouTube page of someone who used Iro's prison workout if it works. Apparently, and? apparently it does. I'm sure it does because it's just lifting constantly. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's just uh, body weight. Yeah. yeah, you can do a lot with body weight. You uh-huh. can. We have a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I mean it like that. I know those. 
those were a, an interesting pair of episodes. Um, I I had to rewatch them um, because I accidentally went through and watched like one through five all in one sitting when we started rewatching mm. again. So that which has been good because then I've just been rewatching as we go along. Um, the beach, the beach is the next episode. And I could have sworn that you said this was your most favorite episode of the series. Um, That's why it's highlighted like that on my notes. Oops. I I think it is also up there. Um, Like Sokka's Master is one of my favorites, but the beach, the beach does a lot. I'm excited for it. And I I know that we talked about it and it sounded like it was going to be a really dense episode which is why I didn't want to combine it with three and four. Yeah, right. we don't yeah. because it is it, like it's almost an, uh, one that we should do by itself because it it deals with all of our villains. <laughs> right. And we haven't spent time on our villain characters in a while. Mm-hmm. No. And even when we do, it's well, they're chasing our good guys. So that's what's going on. That's not what this episode is. They're taking a vacation right uh so you don't even have that that primary objective uh to base their behavior around nope what what happens when villains don't have heroes to pick on each other oh spoilers (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that's gonna be really really interesting yeah um horrible people take it out on one one another if they don't have good people to take it out on uh, true facts yep that's just real life yeah yeah <laughs> it's gross it's a gross way to live but yeah um i did want to plug a thing sort of do it um okay. if you're into rpgs and you're into avatar the last airbender or cora the legend of <laughs> this came out this year oh. avatar Legends. This is a role-playing game where I'll see if it it doesn't just take place in the period of Aang or Korra. It does take place in both of those eras. So you can either play during the era of Avatar Kyoshi during the return of Aang, the last airbender or the era of Korra. Um, or, and this is where a lot of people are going because then they can avoid having to have an avatar character. Mm-hmm. Right. You play during the Hundred Years War. Oh. Which is cool. So this, the time between the, the Kiyoshi time and Aang. From when Aang disappears to when right. Aang returns. Right. Which means you get the rise of Fire Lord Ozai and his predecessor so, so yeah so you can play in the era of the high republic fall of the old republic yes. the rebellion era or the everything new is, republic everything is a star war that, I mean, dave filoni yes was part oh, of shit. this i didn't even think about that when i made that joke that's right yeah. so there is <laughs> the He's part of the game too is that what you're saying? yeah the, yeah no filoni? probably not no. but i bet so, he'll play it this is the core rule book for the role-playing game um it also come there's also the uh adventure guide 
which has the creepy owl. Got your owl. Yep. Mm. Um, if you Love really want to get into it, they also have a combat deck and a fancy dice. Now, the reason that these are only D6s is because this is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Hey! Yeah. And Cable's favorite. It is my favorite. I <laughs> bought another fucking Powered by the Apocalypse game yesterday. It just came out. Not that one? Not no, this one. he told me about out. it. Um, it's what called Apocalypse say, What did you say? It's basically... What did you give me the pitch of it? Okay, so the pitch for itself says it, this is based on things like Hellboy and BPRD, both the comics and the movies. And <laughs> okay. It, it's the the concept around Apocalypse Keys uh, from Evil Hat is that uh, you've, you're the team of monster hunters like the BPRD mm-hmm. um, and you're working with the monster. Um that happens to be the key point in either bringing about the apocalypse or stopping the apocalypse. Which is Hellboy. Which is Hellboy. Which is, was it Amon Ra? Yeah. Uh, is that his name? Uh, that doesn't matter. Hellboy. Yeah, I keep wanting to go to Oksana Moon and Mike. Nope, that's the mummy. <laughs> no. Um, but I I bought the book yesterday. I started flipping through it. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I got, I, I know what the elevator pitch for this book was. Because they went, the evil hat went. So here's the pitch. It's Hellboy, but queer. <laughs> it's Anun Unrama. Anun Unrama. Yeah. Ah, right. Which is not Egyptian. No, no, no. He's it's. But yeah, uh, Avatar: The Last Air or Avatar Legends is the name of the RPG. If you're into role playing games and Avatar: The Last Airbender, this is the game for you, especially since it's powered by the apocalypse. It's low rules, high storytelling, and that's exactly what you want. Right. When's your, what does your campaign start? I'm not running this one yet. <laughs> um, we do yeah. have a, a staff member that is running that. Um, they're running a, a campaign for the staff. Uh, Keith has been running that. Keith is one of our DMs for Kids D&D. Mm. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's out there right now kind of not pulling his hair out, surprisingly. <laughs> um but yeah, um, I, I'm still going to be a champion for the Powered by the Apocalypse system. I, I so much enjoy the, the game that we play together. And every time I pick up another book and that's in that system, it's like, why aren't we talking about this more? It is a much simpler, easy to use system. Yeah. But I will say that if you would if you would ask me to play a game like this uh, in the Arosaga Yojimbo game... Even just like five years ago, I would not have enjoyed it because I would not have felt comfortable with the heavy role playing part of it. It sure it, it does take you have to be comfortable with the role playing element and character development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and kind of know the nuts and bolts of what is role playing to begin with. Mm-hmm. The Powered by the Apocalypse system makes a lot of those assumptions. That's true. That's true. Um, so, yeah, I've seen people that have played D&D their whole lives and powered by the apocalypse or the, the system that's Blades in the Dark. Oh, is Forged really, in the Dark. Yeah. It's really, is really hard for mm-hmm. them because it's a different type of play. Not the act of getting into the character, but just you get used to this is what my, I want my character to do. Your GM says, all right, it's going to be this. Make the role. And then you act out your character dependent on the outcome of the role. And neither of those games work that way. <laughs> nope. 
And that can be hard for a lot of players, even really, really good players, even really good, you know, DMs and GMs. I've seen, you know, like, you know, Matt Mercer, who's like this legend of DM. I've seen him run Powered by the Apocalypse games and it's good, but there's a disconnect there. Sure. You know, it's just a different style completely. Uh, Not that people should not try it out. I I think that one of my favorite uh, examples that's out there is the McElroy's that did their second season, like like their first campaign was D and D, and that was the uh, the balance arc. Mm-hmm. And it's every, Adventure Zone, right? Yeah, Adventure Zone. Right. Everyone loves the fucking uh, um, balance arc. I love it. It's fantastic. Right. But their Amnesty arc, which was Monster of the Week, powered by the Apocalypse. Oh man, that's so good. It is so good. It is underrated out of that. I like it, if Becca Bex agrees with me, uh, she'll back me up. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't know if Bex is here today. Oh, okay. yeah, it's right there. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it the, the amnesty arc uh, made me cry in parts. Like wow. it was, oh man, it was so good. Um, Yes, can confirm. Thank you, Bex. <laughs> um, so, like, there are there are things that you can go out there and listen to some Powered by the Apocalypse games and see if it's the the right system for you. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd recommend that. Yeah, and go to YouTube. There's a bunch of real play mm-hmm. shows out there that do that. I know sometimes that can get overwhelming because. You'll find out like, welcome to episode three, you know, 35 and they're all three hours long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I didn't mean that in a way that like, oh man, I wouldn't have liked it. I just wouldn't have felt prepared for it yep. personally because I wasn't really comfortable with a lot of role playing, you know, even just a few years ago. I'm sure there's plenty of people who maybe that's the perfect first system for them because you don't have to learn so many mechanics. You can just have a fun story time with your friends. I think it's great for kids. Uh, Like if you're a parent and then you're looking for a game system for kids, Mm -hmm. a powered by the apocalypse game would be great because kids imaginations aren't as limited as adults. Yeah. true. It's not that we're limited. We've put up societal blocks. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We uh, have it's to funny that you're talking about this because I just saw something from Magpie Games. They just announced the next source book, uh, pre-order Republic City for Cora, and they're like, "Get into mech fights, car chases." Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The technology jump from Avatar: The Last Airbender to uh, The Legend of Korra is, I find, jarring. It gets... Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to watching it just so that I can understand why. It, it does work. I kind of feel like when they were developing Korra, a couple of them were big Eberron fans. Well, that stands to reason. I don't mean that as a dick. I mean no. that as a completely positive thing. But when think of Eberron when you begin to watch Korra and be like, oh, okay. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just what I've seen of it makes sense. Yeah. Um... A free RPG day is coming up um, in June, cool. June 24th. Uh, find a friendly local game store that is hosting it Ooh. because <laughs> one of the uh, le- um, Avatar Legends will be one of the featured games that you can uh, oh, cool. pick up a freebie of. Nice. So. Excellent. Well, yeah. I always enjoy free RPG day just to see stuff. 
Yeah, if you're if your friendly local game store is participating, great. Uh, find out what they're doing, and 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 some of them might have their shit together and and know. Um, well, there you if go. If they're if they're not doing it, please ask them politely. Yeah, definitely. Hey, get your shit together. They yeah. they have some time to please. order a kit. It's true. Kit, kits aren't cheap. It's no, like, it's like free comic book day. It's, like yeah. it's, it's only not free, free to the for the retailers. Yeah. Right. So while you're there, buy it. If you enjoyed the game, buy the damn game. Yeah. Or buy some dice, even if you don't. You know what? Start start your the first step to becoming a dice goblin begins with but one purchase. It's like when yeah. you go to the bar and at the end of the night, the guy's not going to charge you a tab, or you know that your tab is way less than it ought to be. <laughs> you need to tip really, really well because that guy just did you a solid. That never happens. You get, to us. You get a free you get a free game at the board game shop. Buy some fucking dice. Buy another thing. I feel like we're talking about both our sponsors right now tangentially. <laughs> we are. Yes. Uh, I didn't even but all of mean. Them. Yes. Uh, yeah, I wasn't even being specific. That's just right. a general thing that happens a lot. Yep, I get it. Well, we should wrap up. Yes. Yeah, next week, all the star. Wars all and the Drex. star. Mm-hmm. Wars and Drek. Yes. That's right. The, the season, battle, battle of the streaming. Season threes yeah. of uh, Picard and Mando. The conclusion of oh, one family yes. and the beginning of another. Mm-hmm. I'm Aaron Duran. <laughs> I'm Benarita. And I'm Cable Hashitani. We will talk to everybody next week. Bye. Bye, nerds. Bye. Fucking solids. <laughs> <laughs>